Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Stephen Maltmanex. And I'm Brian Gillis. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, sadly, put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell, it might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. Oh, that guy in Bellevue that killed his whole family. Cut him up with knives. Maybe they disappointed him. All we need is a man here. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. Isn't he a good boy? You've had his little angel. Hi, honey. He's just some crazy creep. Don't you talk to your father that way. He's not my father. How can you even bear to let him touch you? Stop it. We have to talk, honey. About what? About what is happening to our family. I'm taking care of it. He scares me, Dr. Pondre. Who am I here? You're a very bad girl. The stepfather. You're welcome, Brian. For how good this movie is? This is just literally for you. This is for me. This is a good ass fucking movie. No, I mean the this reason. This is one why... of my favorite watches. Really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, the, the reason why I picked this, you know, you've been on about it, about this trend of horror movies for holidays. Father's Fun. Day just happened. So you're welcome. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Like, seriously, this this is one of the better films that we've had on this show. It was a That surprise. is not acclaimed. Like, uh, well, the script here you know is so good. This is like one of the best scripts I've ever seen unfold on screen. You know, that's the crazy thing is that it was acclaimed at the time. I always just mm-hmm. assumed because it was a horror film in the 80s and movies like Friday the 13th, yeah. you know, they were torn it apart. It had to be like one of those. This yeah. was respected. Like, Terry O'Quinn, nominated for Independent Spirit Awards, nominated for Saturn like Saturn Awards. Awards this like wasn't everything, yeah. a crazy This is hit. John Locke, you know? He became John Locke for a yeah. reason, and this is one of the movies along the way. I did not know that this movie was well-respected until I looked it up later. I um, knew there were several sequels. I knew there was a remake. They're not connected, though. It's not the same production company. But they are connected. It's so fucking crazy. The sequel, Stepfather 2, which came out like three years later, is literally him surviving at the end and escaping from like a mental institution and going on another rampage, like yeah, doing the same thing again. Doesn't but sound then good. Stepfather 3, I, it might be good. I kinda wanna, I'm curious. Terry Quinn returned. Stepfather 3, they couldn't get him. It's direct to video. And the setup is oh, he gets plastic surgery in the beginning. And that's why <laughs> he doesn't look like the same dude. And like, that has to be like the best movie ever made. It has to be so bad. I'm kind of curious. It's an yeah. HBO movie. <laughs> you know, it's one of the those it's like 1991 or like i i i want to hunt down the other two just and the remake i'm curious about the yeah remake i too. did want to see the remake when it came out uh, the pg-13 remake mind you mm-hmm. but like i this is fu- it, this is pretty much stupid. a pg-13 movie like yeah. this this well, is not very r you are, have there are really cool things in here that work but i mean just mm-hmm. you know some that's actually really really cool like a detail like about the this tits in the shower at the end just then. well i, I mean me? just just the fact that the, the production of this movie, like learning about all, all these things, learning about them afterward, just made it even it's more a awesome. Big movie. This is based off uh, something that happened for real. This guy, yeah, John, John List. List. Yeah. yeah. The funnier thing about John List isn't that it's based on a real story, it's that Robert Blake portrayed John List in 93 in a film called Judgment Day The John List Story that he was Emmy nominated for against M- uh, Beverly D'Angelo. Some dude who was convicted for killing his second wife, played a dude that killed families. Here's That's the crazy thing, though. Like, do stranger you, than fiction. You know how he was caught? 
No. You know the show America's Most Wanted? Oh, yeah, like, he's one of the most, was, most wanted people that actually got caught. This yeah. was 18 years after he did the crime, That's and there so was cool. a sketch that was put out of what this guy might look like now, mm-hmm. and his neighbors caught him and reported him, and he was caught, and he died in prison, um, like, I, I think about five years ago or something These like that. These little factoids just build on a good movie and make it um, a must-watch. Here's something really cool for the remake, is I rewatched the trailer uh, uh-huh. just recently because I really wanted to see what that looked like, and... America's Most Wanted is a plot point in the trailer, really? and I totally forgot about Gotta that. Gotta see it now. I yeah, see like it. that is something where they mention, oh, hey, you know, he kind of looks like that guy. It, it seems, you know, the remake has enough differences that I, I think could be cool as like a trashy PG-13 thriller, but mm-hmm. yeah, now it's I just really want to watch the... it after I saw that. I was like, wow, even the remake <laughs> uh, did some research on this because he was not caught. I mean, America's Most Wanted didn't happen during this movie, you know? No, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit after this movie came out. But yeah. all those mid two thousand remakes of eighties slasher films generally aren't good. But I'm I'm curious in this one, like not Straw Dogs. I want to see that. I want, I kind of want to see them all, to be honest. I don't want to see that remake. I I just uh, I love just Straw curious. Dogs so much. I just don't. Feel I like, like James Marsden. I'd like to see him in that role. Just out of curiosity, well, just to see how they can push the gore factor with a bigger budget. To be honest, uh, but that's not. I don't this think that episode. one's rated R, though. Is it Straw Dogs? Oh the, yeah, for the remake. For real? Uh, no. Probably not. No, not sure. yeah, the most of them are. Most of definitely. those remakes are PG thirteen. Yep, screen gems. Uh, but then Even again, the stepfather remake is screen gems. I think it's because they is it. It's because yeah. they could push a PG thirteen a lot farther when it's been out for like twenty years versus when this film came out. PG thirteen exists for like two years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly you couldn't tiptoe it without this like. America's Most Wanted, or remake, or sequel information, or even that's inspired by a true story. If you throw all of that away, this movie is important for uh, cinephiles for one reason, one reason in particular, is because it's a very, very, very obvious homage slash like inspiration on Adam Wingard's The Guest. So much so the blueprint for where they went with that between the '80s background, how the final girl works in that movie, just the like. The titular character in uh, in particular, and how much you kind of root for this crazy fuck, despite him being the bad guy. Not really root for him, no. Like I was rooting. Well, maybe I was doing it like ironically because I was watching this with like as a date movie. But at the same time, <laughs> I was like, this guy. Just the way it opens, that kick-ass that shot, shot where shot is so you, fucking well, like, good. Even before that reveal, when he's just in the bathroom, like shaving, cutting his hair, he's got the blood. He's like throwing the shit in the briefcase, like just chaotic. And when he walks down those fucking stairs like it it goes from oh let me pick up this sailboat and put it in this toy box and close the toy box and close the door i love that touch where he just picks up the chair as he goes right it's just nothing and he's just whistling like it's a normal day it's like Uh you fucking psychopath but then you see this dead daughter and the dead wife and the blood on the walls on the stairwell and the knives shining where the daughters are just cut up with the necks and i'm like jesus fucking christ he turns into the, one of those bad guys it's that you won't ever forget. Great just so aesthetically. It, it's not even just the way it's shot. It's just the script. It is such a smart script. Donald yeah, E. Westlake, the guy that wrote this, mm-hmm. wrote like 80 novels or something crazy. He only has like eight produced screenplays. But he is an acclaimed writer and a prolific one. And any time a writer like that, 
like John Grisham or someone actually writes a screenplay, when you pen the adaptation, or better yet, when you just decide, oh, I want to be a, a screenwriter too, you almost always get a realized world. This should not be a good film. It should be a slasher 80s film that has like some good kills and some good chemistry or maybe like a good score, but it has it all. Like this is it almost a fully realized too. story. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost it, is. Like, to the director. It, certain yeah, moments. it almost was that. Here's the thing, is that the director uh, is on record for saying that he does not like scary movies. Uh, Joseph and this isn't Rubin. a scary movie. So, yeah, he came, when he got in, the script, I think, was floating around for 10 years, and they had trouble financing it, and he was mm-hmm. the one that really made the push for there to be more character in there, for it to be more interesting. This is just a you know, thriller. Like, I, it, it's a really fucking solid thriller. It's, it's like, not some lame slasher. There aren't that many kills here, but when there are, there the are body there. Count they're fucking is, great. The body count's like, what, four? Um, this, five. Four and a half. Um, this is more of a home invasion, like scared straight story this is a stranger danger movie this is don't allow like commentary i was doing during the movie is that this film could not exist in the era of the internet period if this guy went around this dude that for a year it is around you know you get cut well not even not even that though just in terms of really really stupid which you know thankfully this movie does not do it almost does that the wife here the second wife Stephanie's mom is pretty stupid. Just the idea that her husband died or disappeared. I, I kind of love that you don't get any backstory on that. And that it, obviously the, the daughter's distraught. She's in counseling. Like her best friend is her shrink. Um, uh, how like the, her romance is kind of set up, but it doesn't really happen because she's a final girl. Like, yeah, the, how it just really that much dug into there. It, it plays with it really, really slowly. But between... Uh, Stephanie like getting into the fight in that art class which is pretty awesome (laughs) her wanting to go to boarding school um, just like these little touches like her bedroom how she lives like in this perfect suburb where everyone knows one another it kind of feels like Westboro like this feels like the town in Scream but people aren't aware that they're in a movie and when you get that actual magazine the travel and leisure or whatever and it's like America's 10 best uh, like hometown cities or whatever yeah and he moved to one of those just it makes that sense reveal too it's mm-hmm. which I, I mean, was like one of the more here. bullshit moments in the movie I was like the fact that the first library he went to would have that fucking issue from a year ago he's just like come of, on of course I mean maybe buying into that is a little off but like of course he would use uh-huh. that fucking magazine. It kind of makes sense given his character but I want like probably the weakest part of this movie is that character the brother of the the wife that was that got killed the time before Stephanie he's fodder um that's it you know I I really actually his scenes are good you know I like how yeah, he no, tracks and him he, down just the process but He's the Dick O'Halloran in The Shining where he's going to show up and he's just going to be there just for a kill. That's it. I'm happy that guy got killed. But you he, knew it up was until that happen. moment, he was a total Peggy Sue. Like just the way that he just nonchalantly just so happens to be in the right place at the right time. No, The cops help him out. The the chief's like secretary helps him yeah. out. How lucky he gets with like the blueprint and all of these things. Oh, go get a gun. Um, I almost, I seriously thought that he was going to cross paths with that with the Stephanie character, the final girl, uh-huh. either like 
sleep just with her or, or just yeah like i don't know like even her being 16 whatever like when it, when it said she was 16 i was less inspired with that thought process yeah. but yeah like they got romantic in some way or they crossed paths or they like teamed up to kill the dude or or something i thought that they were that like equal cool. parts yeah but mm-hmm. um i gotta be honest maybe in the remake is a little bit of a weak point for me she she's not the strongest final girl. i don't know if she's necessarily that well written or if there's just not enough for me to buy her as an outcast like that little touch of her just putting her fingerprints on the teacher's shirt it's like that's awesome it's like i never did get the sense of okay this is a troublemaker or you know this is someone who tends to be the outcast of her classmates you know or that just she's mm -hmm. that she's weird or anything i mean the introduction is what like her and her mother just throwing leaves at each other and i was like yeah that's that's kind of weirdly playful it's it's pretty weak it's weird yeah she definitely could have had more characterization it would have been nice if perhaps given especially the time frame that she were into punk music or aesthetic and said she's like into you two and and she you know goes to diners alone Mm -hmm. and she dresses kind of preppy with like sweaters and her hair up and like in a high ponytail and stuff the film very much so relies on the characterization of the stepfather and your interest into who he is and why and the way that his personality just unraveled the fact that you know he this like process of shedding his skin in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when you get that next version, uh, you know, into like the, the final third, almost a third act of the film, just the process where you see that he's switching over and it's like, like, hold up, hold up. He's had a million though. He's had a toupee the whole fucking movie. It's, I mean, you feel the wife would be able to notice, but still like, no, but even still, it's just, it's, it's, it's bonkers how much he blends in so so good. he, who like looking at the poster for this film? Who am I now? Yeah. Well, when he has that line like, "Oh yeah, thanks for reminding me who I am," and then he fucking takes Just the so phone and smacks her upside the face. The fucking thought that he's it's done so this good. enough that he can't remember who is who anymore. Like it, it's it just makes it more and more chilling. Of like, yeah, this guy has gotten around quite like, a bit. This guy could almost be part of M Night's Split universe. <laughs> he he's that kind of super if he did villain. have superpowers yeah no even without superpowers he could be you know like mr glass just someone that fits in a comic book world because the chameleon in spider-man is this guy he doesn't have any superpowers he can just as an actor like clayface and batman has more supernatural elements because he's made out of clay but it's the same idea it's like there's this actor who can portray anyone you know and that's just it's a really interesting take um, but when you look at it from, like, a much deeper place, because outside of this just being written well in the way that, like, the newspaper rewriting the story and how that comes organically into mm-hmm. their town, and he finds that newspaper. It's like, how does he get that newspaper to disappear? Oh, he turns into a hat, and he puts it on a kid at the party. Yeah. If that kid didn't take off the hat, it would have left the party, and Stephanie would have had no interest. Also, it just but the fact leads that, to, like, one of the best freakouts in the movie. Right? All like, we need is a little order around here. No, even better than that, though, when it comes in the mail, and he has that line about the Cosmo magazine. Yeah. About, something like, you oh, you, be looking something at. you shouldn't be getting, you know? And I knew right then, I'm, like, talking out loud, which is something I don't do, but it's like I said, it's because I saw this with someone. And mm-hmm. I was like, please, for the fucking love of God, take that photo Get a new photo, put it in there, and then put it in the mailbox to dissuade any kind of paranoia <laughs> your stepdaughter has. And sure enough, he did it. He took the step to even go to, like, a photo mat and get, like, a, a, basically a Photoshop on the same photo so it didn't look inauthentic. Um, the murder scene that happens in the house That's that the has best, mid-construction. The one with the the psychiatrist, yeah, that yeah. is the best 
scene in the movie. I mean, How, just the way that, that, that builds just, up. Because it's like, it is organic. Line, just that line when he snaps is just like, are you interested in buying a house or do you want to or, hear my life story? Where well, it's just even like, oh, past shit. that, though, where he's like, so this, you know, this would be great for a family. He's like, oh, I'm a, this is for me. I don't have he's a family. And then him he flubs. Purpose, yeah. yeah, he flubs and he's like, oh, I actually have a wife. And when he reaches for that two by four, it's like, okay, wait, you already said this house is being renovated. It has the wood floors. It's being fixed. It has like paper down on the floor, kind of like mm-hmm. the newspaper in American Psycho. And there's just organically a weapon there that isn't actually a weapon. It was so good, just the way that the setup happened, that mm-hmm. it wasn't by coincidence. Like, just in the same way of how he disposes of that body. Well, just the fact the that he that didn't... Terry like, O'Quinn in, plays it, like, just every time he freaks out, you know, mm-hmm. like, he is in control, he is the man of the house, he, and he, he feels fucking dangerous everywhere that he is. You're worried about the other person's well-being, because you've seen what he's capable of in that opening shot. Even though you see that opening, he still embodies, like, this perfect 1950s, like... American dad. Yeah. He just the way he dresses and the way he looks, his like wood shopping skills, the fact that he makes birdhouses. He wants to sell he just his jobs, the two jobs that you get here, that he sells houses to families mm-hmm. or he sells life insurance to families. Cause in like the irony, the jokey version of everyone dies, you know? Yeah, he's a guy um, that's obsessed with probably I mean, presumably that family that I never had. Yeah. I read something mm-hmm. where the script did have a flashback sequence or an explanation that of why he it. was the way that he was, that. and it's because he had an abused childhood. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like, he probably had an alcoholic father, a slutty mom. We didn't something. get that. We didn't need that. You know, like, we did get a really nice, quiet moment where right before he's about to leave the neighborhood, he's looking at a house that he just sold, and the little girl waves at him, and he waves back. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, exactly who this guy is. Like, like it doesn't he... justify anything that he does, but you understand why he's it's doing kind all this. Of he's like, a guy that's just obsessed with the idea of having a family but doesn't exactly love the family that he has. It's not well that's not even what it is. He doesn't love the family once he realizes that they're not worth loving when they no, have he's, these things. He's just trying to create something artificial, but it's or, not it you know it's What's funny though is Eilis Warnos in Monster is painted the same way. Where it's clearly a bad person, it is a quote-unquote monster, and yet you can't help, like, sympathize and almost root for them. I'm less not going to so go here. with the word root, that's all yeah. you. Yeah, less so here, but in Monster, up until a certain point, you're like, okay, you got, like, almost killed and raped at a truck stop, now you're doing these bad things, and you become almost an anti-hero. Here, it's like, no, 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 you're just a bad dude, you're fucked up. Speaking but, of which, I'm glad you said raped, mm-hmm. because you reminded me of, like, one of you're the- You're raping our daughter! <laughs> he was practically undressing her in front of the house. I've known him longer than I've known you. What's well? That what's that supposed to mean? Time to find a new house now, huh? But yeah, like, <laughs> that's the moment where he snaps- <laughs> oh man that, oh. yeah that, just that was hilarious <laughs> it was like just seriously all of his freak I mean, outs like in the garage cheesy. you can't help but laugh at oh, these things sure. but you're supposed but to laugh at these things I think I think you're supposed to like any kind of movie like this isn't 100% serious if you look at any of the reverse holiday picks in particular mm-hmm. between Black Christmas uh, which we call it uh, My Bloody My Valentine, Valentine. Yeah, there's always humor um, there there's humor in these films like horror films need humor in some capacity and uh, even 
like the little girl catching him on his lies when he's he's showing the house to that family and he's pushing mm-hmm. her on the swing set. He's like, "Oh, my daughter Stephanie goes to Oak Ridge High School, the same school that you're gonna go to, and she's on the honor roll and she has straight A's." And it's he's like, like I remember you, pushing. Oh yeah, my my daughter Cindy. Yeah, yeah. She, he's like, I, but like, that girl's what? so smart. She's like, I thought you said your daughter was Stephanie. Oh, you're right. And that's when his like persona starts just crackling when the veneer starts to fade and you begin realizing like this guy might think he's perfect like when he brings he the only thing you see him do literally is build birdhouses sell houses and watching mr ed like when he has his sex scene he it looks almost like he wishes nothing else like he it's like he wanted that not to happen in the same raping scene no, when just, the daughter he's, snaps he's trying and to she says that thing, there. right? He says that thing where where she's like, you, you like hate getting intimate with my mom or something like that. And it's like, yeah, like this guy totally is a product of the 50s and only wants this like pacifist, perfect house, perfect society, perfect ideal everything. Like talking about Rin Tin Tin and bringing that dog home for his daughter. Um, and when, when he's talking about... Uh, the newspaper to the people around him. They're like, how can someone do this? And just like nonchalantly he goes, well, maybe they dissatisfied him. Maybe they disappointed him. And that's totally what it is. Like he wants the cookie cutter, perfect nuclear suburbanite family with the the two kids and and a dog and a car and, you know, just, perfection and no one's going to ever be. He's a believer in that saying father knows best, but there's like, just oddly perfect timing in this film. Um, and it's like things that I took out of it that weren't exactly there. Uh, chief among them being, uh, do you know, like the story of the cuckoo, the bird? No. No. Uh, so, uh, actually, maybe go, go for it. I think I might know a version of it. the one that is known, like in fiction, especially fabled, like in particular Zeus pretended or took the form of a cuckoo when he slept with Hera, his sister to trick them to having like when they're kids. Okay. Um, but a cuckoo is a bird, a species that laid their eggs in other nests. And a lot, when they hatch, they eat the other young slash take it over as their own house. And so this guy who is so obsessed with these birdhouses, the fact that the final shot of this film is the the mom and daughter cutting down the birdhouse that he made and it just sitting there now isolated, to me, had to be something in the story where they're trying to articulate that same kind of uh, symbolic nature where this guy was a cuckoo. He was a that's ha- well, really both, good. I mean, that's a good like, way to put it. I like just in, assumed it was a shot of their letting go of him and just fully cutting uh-uh. him out. In any no, way it's can. like he doesn't make his own house he finds one he forces his way into it tries to take it in as his own just adopts the family they don't necessarily adopt him they always don't work out a year tops is how long it lasts right it's surprising enough that they even get married even if you give it like that three week time span where he is already shedding his first identity to move into the new one like when you get that shot here him moving next door as the insurance agent with the mustache and the bald spot and like the the next door neighbor already wanted his dick okay when you have that going on but the fact that the writer took this extra step that maybe only certain people caught on, like I did, uh, just spoke to me. I was like, this guy is like next level. Like this is just a character that is written so well that maybe if all the other characters in the movie aren't, at least there's him. At least he's a very iconic villain, someone that did get a sequel or two and a remake and could even get and like a, a TV show. At the Independence and a nomination, Awards. you know, yeah. like it, it made 
it made John Locke's career. Like, Terry O'Quinn became an actor, maybe a character actor, but he's still an actor. And his acting chops here, like, jumping around these characters, he had to play three specific different embodiments of the same guy, and just how well he sells this cuckoo nature, because he is crazy. He's a cuckoo. Um, loved it. Just seriously. Like, one, just a serious, serious, just um, film that's been lost. Almost, even though it has a claim and it's got these remakes and and, and sequels yeah, I mean, and whatnot, the remake tried to revive it. I mean, that is the mm-hmm. purpose of these remakes, supposedly, definitely right? the version is to bring people back to the original. But this is a hidden gem. This yeah. is a definite. I buy that for a dollar. Like if you're ever somewhere and you see this in like in a yard sale for one dollar, which is unlikely because you know maybe on VHS you would. You got a show factory release, so yeah. most likely it's still cheap anyway. And you got to pick this one up. You're going to like it. Like, if you're not into blood, there's not a lot of that. If you're not into horror, it's not very scary. But it's just a very, very good period, not period piece, but character piece on what a role of a father is and the lengths that some people would be to try to be a father figure. It's like, like I mean, it's, it is oddly enough fitting as a Father's Day film, but this is like the mm-hmm. extreme version of that in that, you know, there are a lot of fathers out there that are... are kind of trying to you know control their families and you know project an idealized version of how they want things to be and mm-hmm. i would argue that that's actually how a lot of divorces happen yeah <laughs> uh, based on marriages that i'm familiar with is that uh you know people just weren't exactly up to cool with how dad wanted things to be so uh yeah holds up in um in that sense but you know, I mean, this is a really, really solid thriller that really doesn't treat its characters like shit, and I really like that about it. Um, yeah, I, I like that it takes its time. It can be cheesy, but it's, it's I mean, even the cheesier stuff, like even if he loses his shit in the basement, it's and it's it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. It's also really unnerving when it happens. It's the Terry O'Quinn show, man, and he rules at it. Uh, you know, it's not exactly a buy for me, but it's a silver dollar. I really enjoyed this film, and it could have just been with the person I was watching it with or the no, fact it's really that entertaining. like this, before going into work, like this is the perfect like little stress reliever is like, yeah, I'm not going to freak out like that type of shit, you know, like <laughs> just the flip side of some people, the, the duality of I'm the nicest, kindest, awesomest guy person in the planet. Like, check me out. I'm so cool. And for, ah, these motherfuckers, they don't understand. The... Hi, honey. Is that ice cream? <laughs> Who am I again? Like, ah, like I'm not going to say I could be that guy. But we all have those moments where you kind of just cut loose and your like animal side comes out, and yeah. this this is someone who's well, always is just like fully that. wild and out of control. Yeah, I, I really love those mix up moments too, where he's just like, "I told them that girl a thousand times, make sure it's Bill Hodgkins." Who, who the fuck is Bill Hodgkins? Oh, that what, what's my name again? Yeah, Jerry. Oh, that's that's right. I, Sorry. Just that fucking phone call calls or that telephone slap. Just Jesus, chilling, yeah, man. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, awesome. just the whole entire finale and, how, uh, like, you know, that whole chase up the stairs, the moment she throws mm-hmm. the sled at him, it's so cool. I, I was begging because when he breaks into that shower, like, into the bathroom through the mirror <laughs> was so kick-ass, okay? But the fact that it's like, it's funny, Stephanie was smart enough. They literally had to write in the fact that that mirror was in there um, yeah. just so that she could get the piece of glass and stab him mm-hmm. to run out because it's like, the, how do you Her weapon is there? organic yeah. from the situation. Like, she could have grabbed, like, I don't know, like Which a is, towel I mean, rack also, or like, like a razor blade. When you take mm-hmm. the, your surroundings and then you fight with them and you manage to persevere. Like, the thing like, that I really liked about this movie, too, towards the end of the chase... 
They run into the attic. And what is an attic? It's a place where you keep your memories, the things that you don't want anymore, your childhood. Like, I'm sure there was, like, artifacts of dad up there. And it's like, you don't go there the whole movie. It's the first time it's shown. It's, like, covered in dust and cobwebs. Like, it's the past. And she literally, she like... throws a sled. Like, well, Rosebud. But, like, yep. she went, like, back <laughs> in time thing. to beat him. Like, she... I don't know. It's just using the attic as, like, the final real set piece was so good. The way he falls through that floor and then the wife, like, fucking shoots him. Okay? Um, just... I want to read this screenplay. It, it's got to be so good. Just some of the best horror writing I've ever seen. Like, it, it's not meta, you know? It's not Kevin Williamson scream style. It's it's not going, oh, this is such genius screenwriting. But this is, like, a natural stepping stone towards what Wes Craven was able to do with that franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of film that is so good that it makes sense that the genre would evolve into being self-aware. And... This is on my list of, like, favorite horror films now. Even if it doesn't, you know, have Dang. the slapstick of Evil Dead or the gore of Evil See, Dead like, or I the tree it more rape. it's a thriller than a mm-hmm. horror film. It's, I mean, it is definitely horrible a thriller. things, but it's, yeah. like, it, it's not... Probably uh... only be classified as a horror film because of the father figure. Mm-hmm. Because he is such a very obvious villain. That he is painted so well, and he's a monster. It's like he's definitely... Like he's yeah, he could a definite be up there monster. with, like... He could be up there with the likes of Norman Bates or Buffalo yeah. Bill easily. He's just, he's made, he's written so well. And both of those are also inspired by real people. You know, like when you do have this just true tale that allows you to adapt it into a work of fiction because it's so unsettling. This story of this person is so uncanny that it makes it a better character. And it, it, it also serves as a reminder that the real world isn't peachy keen that there are bad things and bad people out there and you should never put let your guard down like i said this is a stranger danger movie like this is the ultimate um like almost be afraid of your tinder date type of thing like you could subvert this like maybe show them have a date like it almost reminded me a little bit of of, uh like the lost boys too when like mom is going on the dates with the vampire next door type of thing and, like, they're not trusting, you know? Except if you took some of that, you know, you made this a little that, that more campy. That's and you actually movie, showed... Like, if you showed the courtship process, though, is what I'm saying. Like, if you showed how this monster actually comes into this household, if you turn this into a TV show, even better yet, like a Netflix or HBO show, people would not be able to get enough of it. It would be so good. Just have them kill someone, like, every couple of episodes, like Dexter or something. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by checking out the Dollar Review Show, where we cover theatrical and streaming releases, as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own, whether that be TV, music, etc. You can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net. Follow us on Twitter, or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible but more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, 
the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a death to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too. And also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX, and also follow my film diary at Letterboxd under the same name, where I log everything I watch, and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.